0: I hope not, but praise God. Welcome. Am I on? Hello. There we are. We're good. Well, praise God. We are here to worship our King and Savior, our God, the risen Lord. Um, It's just an amazing time of the year. It's always so, uh, um, this time of the year is always so refreshing. It's always just a, a renewal of the spirit. And how appropriate that is, because of the fact that Christ is risen. Uh, I haven't gotten loud yet. Yeah, but uh, that is the the what we're here to celebrate. We're here to celebrate the risen. King. Um, nearly two thousand years. Ago. Last week we focused on the cross. Friday we focused on. It. And Friday it was a declaration. It's Friday it's heavy and it's think about all the time. But praise God and while we were there proclaiming it's Friday, but Sunday's coming, but Sunday is here. And we're here to worship the, the living Christ. We don't worship a, a dead Savior in a grave. We worship a living God in a living who's in His rightful place at the right hand and that's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to proclaim and here to do. And, and we're one of, we're, as you can see here on the uh, right and the left-hand side of the of the uh, stage up here, we're also, uh, what, what a great way to start the month of, of April with Union. Because it is, after all, that's what we're doing here, right? We're commemorating, we're celebrating, we're remembering what it is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, it was nearly 2,000 years ago the world was shut as the word begins. You had the enemies of Christ who wanted to keep him hidden. They wanted to keep him and they devised ways, they devised ways to, to make up stuff about him so that they could kill him. and they lied about him and they condemned him. and their whole purpose, it is written. In the New Testament, it's written over and over again. It's written in the Old Testament as well. They conspire. They conspire out of envy, out of jealousy, out of covetousness. They coveted this this power that Jesus had, and he, in his meek and mild way, he drew these people to himself. And they saw these crowds that were following this Jesus this itinerant preacher he wasn't trained in the in the cemeteries of that day the a lot of hard a lot of hard but he wasn't trained he wasn't highly educated through the means of the world and through the means of the of the leaders of Jews and yet even as a child, he challenged their thinking. He challenged what it is that they believe. You remember that story when he was twelve years old in the temple and he got left behind. He really wasn't left behind. He said, Joseph's no, stepdad. you know that I was about to be I was supposed to be about to be. And the And the, the the priests, the high priests were they were confounded. How does this youth know so much? Well, when you have the mind of God, well, to every time, right? You're not going to be able to answer the questions, you and not be astounded by what. And he was revealing things, and, and they hated him. They hated him for the fact that he was. And, and, and you know, I, I have a, a soft place in my heart for for his brothers and sisters. Imagine that. Imagine being raised alongside the perfect, the only perfect human being that's ever gone. You know, you're getting in trouble for doing what you're not supposed to do. Here's Jesus. He's a child. Perfect. No disobedience. Doing what his parents meant. You just seek your better. That's the attitude I know I would have. Right? This this perfect person. How frustrated it was. But you can see that these these uh, people, that they, 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 the fact that he drew so he, he, he claims it. He didn't just make these claims about the Old Testament and these things, but when he was here on Earth, obviously we believe that he is God, the Son of God before there was a heavens and an earth that was made, because they were made. He was busy being God, doing what God did. He was busy being God before anything was made, however thousands of years old that we may be on this earth, not we. Yet he came took on a tabernacle or a pen To be like one. To walk amongst us. And I can't imagine what it was like for him. Um, and how it didn't affect him. Because I can only see things from my side. I can't imagine perfection. Utter perfection. Total perfection. Perfect perfection. Walking amongst people like us. did it purposefully. As I said last week, last week I focused on the significance of his, his coming into the, to the uh, Jerusalem. And I remember those words before him to his disciples. But the reason we're going up to uh, Jerusalem is I'm going to be turned over. Given over to the priests else says, I'm going to be over, they're going to turn me over to the Gentiles. And it's for the express purpose. And he says "And on the third day I'm rising. He told them upfront front what was going to take place. And that's what we celebrate. And I want to spend some time blushing this out a little bit. Um, the world was shocked. Why was the world shocked? Well, number one, dead men stay dead, right? Dead men stay dead unless there's living God besides other It was a shock, and I can't imagine. I mean, imagine being Pilate. Imagine being Herod. Imagine being these guys and hearing that Christ is risen. Imagine that. After all that they have done to him. I mean, as a fallen sinner, you've got to think that in the back of their minds, they were going, I'm responsible. Or maybe that's just my introspection coming out. I don't know, but it seems to me that they would have to at least think about it and think, this guy's really, if he's really risen. And even there on the cross, one of the centurions that was there and saw all this cosmic play being worked out, even as he died, the earthquake and everything, even he admitted. Truly, this is the Son of God. It has to be. Salvation was already being worked out there on the, on the cross. Kings would shut their mouths because of him. Sinners would find forgiveness in him. The lost would be found in him. The hopeless would realize hope. The dead would find life in him. Death would meet his match in him and be defeated. The grave would find he could not be held. Jesus couldn't be held. Jesus couldn't be over because he was full of soil. couldn't be held there by its chains. The shackles of death that you and I will one day face could not hold them. And death, the grave defeated. Christ victorious. The world was shocked nearly 2,000. The news that began to pour out. This is a new thing. The people that heard it for the first time would think that people were describing something. They're like this person is mad. Why dead men don't get up, more, let alone the way he did. I want to cover some of that as we celebrate this. The world was shocked nearly two thousand years ago, and this cosmic act was played out in a tiny little strip of a country. The disciples at that time, as we are going to read, they were still in unbelief. And and one of the things that I want to point out, too, um, uh, we're going to read about the women that came to the tomb. And oftentimes the women are given accolades because, you know, hey, they they stayed there at the cross. They went to the tomb and they're lifted up. And that's good. But they were in the same boat as the disciples. They were in the same boat. They were in the same boat of unbelief. I'm going to show you. And it took a supernatural path and a supernatural presence to cause them to begin to think. could it be? could it be? Is it possible? This Is real? We're going to read that. We're going to see that. I want to focus this morning, um, you know, and I want to remind you of, you know, what we read uh, last week in Matthew 20. Jesus was about to go to Jerusalem. He takes the the disciples aside and by themselves and on the way, he says to them, behold, you are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered, chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. He's prophesying. You see, they didn't want something that was just. They didn't care about nothing. They didn't care about anything. They knew, was, hey, this guy's drawing a lot of people. He's drawing too much attention. Crowds are following him. People are believing It was the most dastardly, as I said Friday night, it was the most dastardly deed and the most dastardly sin that could be imagined. Purposefully, working out a sin to kill the world. It's the most wicked act in all human history to take this perfectly righteous, just, holy, Loving Christ, the Son of God, the Son of God, to condemn you. Imagine the hardness of your heart, the darkness of the mind. There's no illumination there. How evil and wicked would you have to be to think about these things and see the perfect. Jesus told them, well, the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and at 47. And they will condemn him to death. Here in him. Facing that torture. He was facing the shame. He despised them. He faced their wickedness, their sin, their lawlessness, their godlessness. He faced it all down and he stepped forward. As it says in Isaiah, he set his face like flint. That's a man, y'all. He knows what's coming. He just walked straight and into it. He didn't, he, didn't he went forward. He says, This is what they're going to do. They're going to condemn him to death and will deliver him to the Gentiles. The mock, prisoner. But oh that third day. He says, and on the third day will be raised up. That's what I want us to really do. On that third day, he would be raised. Jesus was making claims that no man should make, especially that close to his death. He would either be crazy, a madman, a liar, Or he would know exactly what he's talking about. That's what it means. He knew what was going to happen. That third day, oh, what a glorious day! What a holy day! What a day of rejoicing. And keep in mind the disciples, the women who followed, who ministered to Jesus, and the disciples. That they were all still in disbelief and in unbelief. The one that you put your hopes on. You saw him crucified. You saw him whipped. You saw him laughed at and mocked. You saw him there before you. I love that old song, Word When they crucified. They saw him die. They saw um, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus take him off the cross. They saw him. They saw them uh, him preparing the body and wrapping it. They saw him putting him in the tomb. Dead men don't wake up again. They don't just come back to life. In uh, Mark, I'm going to march through this room as quickly as possible. In Mark, we want to get to communion, and that's what we really want to uh, uh, think about as well. As we're going in Mark 10:32 through 34. Um, this is what is written for us. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking on ahead of them. This is right before they were going into Jerusalem. And The reason that I picked these passages. Is so that you can see that Jesus was predicting what was going to happen. He was well aware. Verse 32 and it says. And they were amazed. And those who followed were fearful. And again he took the twelve aside and began to tell them. What was going to happen to him. Saying behold. We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests, the scribes. and They will condemn him to death, and will deliver him to the Gentiles. You see, Jesus was rejected by all. Jesus today, there billions of people around the earth today that are still rejected, by Jesus, that are still rejecting this Christ, that are still rejecting the One who was sent, condemned, unlawful. Unjust. Wait. He says, "This is what's going to happen. They're going to condemn him to death, and will deliver him to the Gentiles." In verse thirty-four, they will mock him, spit him. scourge him, kill him, and three days later he will rise. I don't know. He's not just predicting like. Nostradamus, who couldn't predict his way out of a paper bag, and some of these other so-called uh, prognostics, yeah, frauds, really, sorcerers, witches. Well, it wasn't just predicting; it was telling the In Luke eighteen thirty-one through thirty-four, it states nearly the exact same thing the same uh, description of the events right before they went into Jerusalem. And I want to establish that fact. In Luke 18, verses 31 through 34, nearly the same passages. It says in 31 of uh, chapter 18 of Luke, And he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. So he's added something now. It's not just something that he's predicting, that he's prophesying, that he's saying is going to happen. Now he's including the Old Testament. Saying it's written. It is written. This is what's going to take place. I think Jesus knew what he was talking about. I think so. I think very much so. In fact, I'm going to say that's an emphatic yes. Yes, he did. He says in everything, all things which were written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For He will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged Him, they will kill Him. And on the third day, He will rise. Hallelujah. This is important for us to understand this. Um, In John chapter 10, right for the New Testament. In John chapter 10. Here you have the vision of the good shepherd. Starting in verse 13. You have this interchange that's taking place. And Jesus says this. In John 10, 13 through 21. He flees because he is a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. It says in 14, I am the vine, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life. I'm laying. Preach on this years. God himself, He laid down His life. He says. I'm the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for what? Sheep. You know, those who were around him would have understood his There's an idiom being used. You're speaking something that they were very... Is there a shepherd from the Not just shepherds. There are people who are agricultural. They would understand these things. Speaking in a way that they understand, he says, I'm going to lay down my life with sheep, and I have other sheep, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice. And they shall become one flock with one sheep. For this reason, the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life. You know, if that was all that was written. And that was it. He, doesn't just stop. he says, um, "For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that what that I may take." Yeah. You see, when He was predicting and telling them the the, the disciples, "On the third day, I will rise again." He says, I will. It's not just God the Father who raised him. It's not just the Holy Spirit. It is the entirety of the Trinity that is working here to do what only God can do. And he says, I will do this. I will lay down my life. But I will take it back. And then he says this. He says, no one has taken it from me. But I lay it down. Nobody's forcing me. No gun to my head, no threat of nails to my wrists. My own initiative, I decided it myself. Then he says, um, "No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority." I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. He's talking about the fact that he is the good shepherd. He's laying down his life. He's chosen to lay down his life. It's a sad day Friday. It's a good Friday. You see, Jesus, when he was there on that cross, and he was in agony. And the agony wasn't as much the pain that was inflicted, and the shame, and the whipping, and the spitting, and the despising, and all those things. Pain, the agony, those words. Eloi, Eloi, lament sabectini. My God, my God, why have you sinned? That's the thing. His Father turned back on him as our sin was placed upon him. him. The focus of the message on Friday was He, God the Father, made him, Jesus the Son, who knew no sin, to become sin for us that we might become the righteous. our sins. That's why the song is right there. That's why when Paul says in Colossians the debt was paid, I ask is your name on that cross? Did Jesus take your sin to the grave? Stay there. As was mentioned earlier in Isaiah, we want to turn a little bit more to John chapter 11. The the story of Lazarus, Jesus' friend. Martha hears that Jesus is is coming to town. And she shook up because Jesus has come. In, I, in uh, John, excuse me, I keep saying, John chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, it reads as following. In verse 23, Jesus says to Mark, your brother shall rise again. By the way, I don't say that at funerals. I don't know of anybody that says that. Your loved one is going to rise again. Do in a sense, but not like he said here. Yeah, this was definitive. This was going to happen, and it was going to happen real quick. And it was going to happen in a timely fashion. He's setting her up. He says, Your brother shall rise again. Martha says to him, oh, God, I know he will rise again in the resurrection. Hey, she had that straight. There is a resurrection. I know he's going to rise. Jesus then says, Verse twenty-five, those famous words, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even." Oh. He's saying something more than just this word. want to be risen to new life do you want to know that your sins are forgiven and paid for and taken care of once for all and when you get done with this day and worshipping him that you would know without a doubt with 100% certainty that you could say when these eyes close and for the last time and I'm laying down flat on my back and I've drawn my last breath He paid all. Here he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's the heck of a thing to say. That's crazy. talk. You're talking crazy talk, Jesus. What are you talking about? What do you mean if a guy dies, he's never going to? die. I don't understand. Art that supernatural invention of God. Will not and can He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then that great and it's the question that we're asking today. To those who might be listening far and beyond this place, to those who have never pondered or pondered that question, or let it let it uh, ruminate within their minds and think about it. When I die, it's her life. What's the What is this day all about anyway? Jesus asks that all-important question. Do you believe this? That's what he asks. And she says to him, yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ. The son of God. Even he who comes into the world. She She does well. She answers. We'll see one. I believe we'll see more. And if we ask her that question, he's going to say, Oh, yeah, let me tell you about that. Oh, yes, I believe he is the resurrection. I know him to be the resurrection. Yeah. Yes, he is risen indeed. In John chapter 10, verses 18, Jesus spoke those words and I've already read this but I want to read it again. He says, no one thinks my life. I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it. I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. The point is this. Jesus is making claim that no sane man would make. Calm man, my He's saying something that he certain without a doubt. They saw him die. They saw him placed in the tomb. And when they came back the next day to find him, guess what they found? When they came back on the, on the third day? You see, the women came, and they came, as the as New Testament tells us, they came with ointments. They came with spices. What is the purpose of that? what you do for the dead. You see, they came in the same unbelief that the disciples had. They didn't understand it. They hadn't grasped it. And in one instance, an angel, someone who was brilliant in their raiment, he says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? That's a great question. They came looking for the dead. He says, why are you looking for the living one? Not here. See? There's nothing. There's no one. See, it's empty because Christ is risen. Christ risen. Christ is risen! Spirit was sent. And they knew how to count. Remember that one scene that we see? He, the, they were up in the upper room. They were being obedient. They had enough belief to, to go and do what Jesus had told them to do. Because the angel told the, the women go tell the disciples to go and meet him in Galilee and wait for him. That's the hardest thing waiting on God. Waiting on God is hard, yo. It's not easy. Especially when you're not born again yet. It's hard enough when we are. And we sometimes try to help God alone. So maybe if I just do this and this and this, and then, you know, make things happen. I no, no. They were having to wait. They're up there in the upper room. And out of nowhere, just all of a sudden, he's there. I can't understand that. I don't get that. I don't comprehend. Being shut up in a room, um, it's possible that there was hundreds of people there. It's a big room. And, and it's in the midst of Jesus shows <laughs> Why? Why? Because he's risen. <laughs> yeah. He shows himself. He says to the one that's doubting, you know, after he showed himself to the eleven, Thomas was there. Thomas was like, man, unless I see him with my own eyes, put my hand in those scars, I ain't going to believe nothing. I think he knew. Hey, well, I ain't going to believe what you guys say. I've been with you for the last three years. I'm just kidding. Thomas, praise God. For this. He was honest. His response should My Lord. My God. That's your Because awesome. he's risen. Yes. 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 And part of the thing that we get to enjoy is not just the fact that, that he is alive and well. And he's at the right hand of the Father. But also that one day he has promised that he will return. In all his majesty. In all his power. In all his glory. In all his wonder. With all of his angels. And all of those who have gone before. And they will come. You getting glory bumps yet? If not, you should. If that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Dry that wood up. And let that fire burn. He will one day return. And he'll put all his enemies under his feet. Praise God. Because his enemies are our enemies. And we'll pray for them until then. But when we see it happen. Hallelujah. Because he will return. And here's the important part of the resurrection. That we understand. He wasn't just raised in the spirit. He was raised bodily. He proved that. When he said Thomas feel, Touch me. Stop on He proved that when. He showed that. He likes barbecue. He wanted fish. You got any fish? He liked to eat. I'm excited about that, y'all. We're going to feast with our king. And he proved that he rose bodily. He will return bodily. We will see him as he left. He is alive. Do you know him? Does he know you? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God who has come into the world? Do you believe that he was crucified, that he died and gave his life as a ransom for the ungodly to save them? Do you believe that he was buried and rose again on the third day, all according to Scripture? These are important questions for you to answer. You see, when you hear the gospel, you're going to have to, deal with it one way or the other. You're going to have to receive it or you're going to have to reject it. One or the other. There's no middle ground. Neutrality is a position of unbelief. Amen. Hallelujah. We have one believer here. Praise God. He himself stated he is the resurrection and the life. Are you burdened that weight of sin? Are you tired of trying to change and make your life right and acceptable before God? Are you being, feeling worn and weary because of that? Are you enslaved by the things of this world? Drugs, pornography, sexual immorality, disobedience to parents, lying, cheating, anger, lust, adultery, blasphemy. Do you desire to be for Made right with God. Then I beseech you. I plead with you, beloved. Image bearer of God. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He died on that cross for your sin. Paid for it all right now. He suffered the wrath of God. He suffered the wrath of God. So that when we come into his presence, he will say, well, Jesus, he faced that wrath for us. I beseech you, I plead with you, beloved, the image bearer of God, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your sin. He is God, the son who came into the world. He is the Christ, the Messiah from the Old Testament that was foretold by the prophets of God. He is the transformer of the ungodly. It's a song. It's pretty popular. You got pain? pain. You feel lost. Way maker. You need freedom. Save He's a prison shaken Savior. If you got changed, Call out. You cry out sincerely. In your heart. Wow. Pent of your sin. Lord Jesus say, I believe you died on the cross for this. Day. I believe that you were dead. You died. That you were buried in the on the third day you rose again. To make, me, to change. Me. When that happened to me, I just said, "Lord, would You just take my sin and me, trade my awful things that I've done, the way that I've violated?" Sometimes he doesn't even tell you he's breaking them. They just broke. And you find yourself like that dog that has that perpetual chain and you're running after something, and you think and you don't even remember that it's there, you think at the end of the chain you're gonna get yanked, and then all of a sudden you find Because Christ is risen. Christ is risen! Christ has risen! He is risen! Hallelujah. I want to read from Luke as we go into. It. That's what we're doing. We're remembering Jesus the Lord. This is my last word. Luke 22, verses 19 through 20. Right before he was betrayed. Right before he was turned over. Right before that prediction that he made, right before those statements that he said that he would be turned over, he's spending time with those who he loved, those who he came. With. You know, uh, uh, Chuck Swindoll said something as I was listening yesterday, very interesting. He says, "You know, if you ever notice that after Jesus rose again, he didn't spend any time with sinners anymore. He only spent time with those chosen." Do you ever notice? I don't know what to make of it. I just noticed it. And really that's what you see every time you see Jesus after he's risen. It's always amongst the believers. Interesting. I don't know why I threw that out, but somebody knew. Here in Luke, um, it's right before you notice one. Notice the one. Verse 14 of chapter 22 of Luke. And when the hour had come, he reclined at the table, the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover. Before I... I'm not focusing on this, I'm not focusing on that. I've longed to be with you, to share this with you. And says, uh, and, and I say to you in verse 16, for I say to you, I shall never again eat it until And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, thank you. Share it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. In verse 19, he says, and when he had taken uh, some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it, saying, this is my body, which is given. And do this in remembrance. That's what we're going to do in a minute. We're going to remember. we going to acknowledge in this. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. And after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is in the covenant. That's good news. The old covenant, fulfilled all the whole and, and sin is dealt with once for all. And we remember that. We remember that he died on the cross. We remember that he took those nails. We remember that he was wounded. We remember all those things. Father, we thank you for your, goodness and your grace, mercies and your kindness for your love and your power to bring life even to dead trespassers and sinners. You call us out of the grave and you call us each one by one by name, And you know us intimately. Lord, you said as the good shepherd, your sheep hear your voice and you know them. Lord, I pray that we're hearing your voice right now that lives are being transformed, that they may join us in celebration and in worship and brokenness because you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, who came into the world, and paid that price, that offered It's my offering, it's our offer. It our death that we owed, paid it all. We we're buried, but hallelujah, you rose again. Death couldn't handle you, the grave couldn't hold you, those chains have been broken. We thank you that you rose on that day from the Mount of Olives back to your rightful place, the right hand of the Father where you belong. And one day we'll see you there, Lord, in all your glory, just as you pray. The disciples, followers, believers, sheep, we'll see you in all your glory and we will bow down and worship the King and cast down crowns. Rejoice forevermore. Enjoy you forever. Praise you, we thank you. Change hearts today. Change minds today. Open up eyes and ears to these truths as we remember. Thank you for being here amongst us and for your spirit working amongst us, your goodness and your grace in the person of Jesus.